Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that shines a light on the ups and downs of everyday history. I'm Gabe Lussier, and in this episode, we're reflecting on the sad fate of the last U.S. soldier to be executed for desertion, or at least the last to date. The day was January 31, 1945. American soldier Edward Slovic was shot to death for deserting his post. He was the first U.S. service member to be executed for desertion since the Civil War and the only deserter to be put to death during World War II, even though thousands of his fellow soldiers were court-martialed for the same crime. It's long been debated why Private Slovic was singled out in this way. The popular theory is that the military wanted to make an example of someone to discourage other potential deserters during a pivotal point in the war and Slovic was just the unlucky offender chosen for the job. There's a problem with that theory that we'll get to a little later, but in any case, it's not the only option on the table. Some believe Slovic received a harsher sentence due to his prior criminal background, while others claim he was the victim of a cynical system in which those who imposed the death sentence never expected it to actually be carried out. The truth of who's to blame for the soldier's death is hard to pin down for certain, but perhaps the most troubling possibility of all is that the person most responsible was Private Slovic himself. Edward Donald Slovic was born in Detroit, Michigan on February 18, 1920. He dropped out of school at age 15 and was put on probation five times and sent to jail twice by the time he turned 21. His rap sheet included multiple counts of burglary, assault, and grand theft auto, but after serving his time, he was paroled in April of 1942 and largely stayed out of trouble for the next few years. During that time, Slovic met and married Antoinette Wisniewski, a Michigan bookkeeper five years his senior. 
He also secured a well-paying job as a shipping clerk at Chrysler. Slovik was drafted shortly after his release from prison, but because he was still on parole, he was classified 4F and barred from service. As the war continued, though, the draft standards were lowered to meet the growing need for more soldiers, resulting in Slovik being bumped up to 1A classification. He was inducted into the U.S. Army on January 3, 1944, and soon began training as a rifleman at Camp Walters, Texas. From the very beginning, Slovik knew he wasn't cut out to be a soldier. He disliked using guns and bristled at having his personal freedom restricted so soon after his release. It's just like being in jail, he told his wife in a letter. Only jail isn't this bad. He went on to say that he was neglecting his training on purpose because, quote, if you're too smart or too good, they'll send you overseas. In the end, though, Slovik must have done something right because in late July, the army shipped him to England and then to the third replacement depot in France. Slovik and 14 other replacements were assigned to the 28th Infantry Division, located near Elbeuf, France. The unit had already sustained heavy losses in the fighting there and in Germany, and when Slovik and the others arrived late that evening, the city was under heavy shell fire yet again. The men were ordered to hunker down in foxholes until it was safe to advance, but when the barrage ended half an hour later, Private Slovik was too terrified to move. Amidst all the confusion, no one even realized he was missing, and by the time he emerged the following morning, the 109th had been relieved by the 13th Canadian Provost Corps, a military police unit. Slovik wasn't the only American soldier to be left behind. Private John P. Tankey, another replacement, had simply gotten lost in the chaos of battle. Both men befriended the Canadians, and for the next six weeks, they worked alongside them, driving trucks, cooking meals, and guarding German prisoners. Finally, in early October, the Canadians reunited Slovak and Tanky with the 109th Division, which was now stationed in Belgium. There were no repercussions for the men's disappearance, as soldiers often got separated from their units, especially early on in their tours of duty. However, Private Slovik decided to press the issue. On the evening of his return, he asked Company Commander Captain Ralph Grote if he would be court-martialed for having stayed behind in his foxhole. Grote said he would have to check, but he didn't think so, at which point Slovik asked if it would be considered desertion if he were to leave again. Grote replied in the affirmative, and later that night, Slovik took off. He returned the very next morning with a signed confession of desertion, claiming that he was too scared and too nervous to be an effective rifleman and that he would run away again if forced into combat. Slovik's behavior made it abundantly clear what he was planning. He was practically begging to be court-martialed because, as the army later put it, he had, quote, deliberately decided that confinement was preferable to the risks of combat, and he deliberately sought the safety and comparative comfort of the guardhouse. Slovik knew that the army hadn't shot a deserter in nearly a hundred years, so he figured the worst-case scenario was that he'd be thrown in prison until the war was over. And having already spent time behind bars back home, he knew that was preferable to going to the front lines, where he'd almost certainly be killed. An officer of the 109th urged Slovik to recant his confession and return to his unit, stressing that the consequences would be severe if he didn't. But Slovik refused and was confined to the stockade instead. 
the private seemed bound and determined to be court-martialed, and in mid-October, that's exactly what happened. Even then, however, an attempt was made to save Slovik from a potentially ruinous outcome. A legal officer of the 28th Division called Slovik to his office and offered him a deal. If he returned to active duty immediately, his charges would be suspended, sparing him from a lengthy prison term and possibly execution. Once again, though, Slovik refused. His trial was held two weeks later, and he was convicted in less than two hours. Under the Articles of War, the penalty for wartime desertion was death, or such other punishment as a court-martial may direct. There were nine judges on Slovik's court-martial panel that day, and all of them voted for the same sentence, execution, to be shot to death with musketry. Slovik's fate wasn't sealed just yet, as a capital punishment sentence had to survive several layers of appeal, an outcome which the military judges probably didn't consider very likely. To everyone's surprise, though, especially Slovik's, every appeal he made was rejected. The final word on the matter came from the Supreme Allied Commander, General Dwight D. Eisenhower. The appeal crossed his desk at the same time the Battle of the Bulge was raging on the Western Front, and it's widely assumed that the thousands of American casualties from that battle weighed into his decision to uphold Slovak's sentence. That said, it's worth noting that none of the records from the process mention that bloody battle or suggest any desire on the military's part to punish deserters more harshly in light of heavy casualties. Whatever the rationale, 24-year-old Eddie Slovak was sent to eastern France to be killed by a 12-man firing squad on January 31, 1945. In the final days before his execution, Slovak blamed his criminal past for his fate, telling a guard, quote, They're not shooting me for deserting the United States Army. Thousands of guys have done that. They just need to make an example out of somebody, and I'm it because I'm an ex-con. I used to steal things when I was a kid, and that's what they're shooting me for. They're shooting me for the bread and chewing gum I stole when I was 12 years old. If the army did plan to make Slovak an example, it did a pretty bad job of it. Only Slovak's own unit, the 109th Regiment, was informed of his execution, and neither the civilian nor the military press reported it. It was essentially kept secret by the army for the next nine years. Even Slovak's widow was told only that her husband had died under, quote, dishonorable circumstances. As for Slovak's remains, they were buried in the corner of a military cemetery in France alongside American soldiers who'd been executed for the crimes of rape and murder. The names of these men were purposefully left off the grave markers, and they were identified only by a number. It wasn't until four decades later, in 1987, that Slovak's remains were returned to Detroit and reburied next to his wife. That project was spearheaded by the local community, which raised $5,000 to make it happen. American attitudes toward capital punishment have changed a great deal since the Second World War. And while the maximum punishment for desertion during wartime is still death, that outcome now seems highly unlikely. Though, of course, that's what Eddie Slovic thought too. I'm Gabe Luzier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. You can learn even more about history by following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDI 
HC Show. And if you have any comments or suggestions, feel free to pass them along by writing to this day at iHeartMedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thanks to you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.